God bless each one of you this morning, and welcome to the service. Good to see the uh, King family so well represented here. I'm guessing uh, Uncle Justin kind of claims like maybe some of the youngest in our family do too, the favorite uncle status, and so uh, God bless you for showing your support to him in this way. You can open your Bibles to uh, the book of Joshua. I'd like to take a look at uh, some lessons from the book of Joshua this morning in the, in the service. Not going to be uh, reading, I'll be reading period, uh, sporadically throughout here uh, different portions of scripture, but the book of Joshua, as we know, follows uh, the book of Deuteronomy. The end of the book of Deuteronomy, um, we have the account of Moses' death and passing, so Moses, uh, Deuteronomy 34, 5, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord, and he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor, but no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. And Moses was an hundred and twenty years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. Not what our service about, the message is about this morning, but I was intrigued. That Moses died, but it seems like there was life left in him. His eyes were not dim, and his natural force was not abated. But he died, and he was buried, and nobody knows where he was buried. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. And notice the last three verses. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. And all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land and in all that mighty hand and in all the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of the Lord. And I'm going to read, continue reading in Joshua chapter 1, 1 through 9. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord came now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead, and therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, into the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness, and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fall thee, fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do all, to do according to all the law which Moses thy servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, 
neither be dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. We ponder at times at the way God works. When he called, and if you, the children of Israel here on the brink of entering into the promised land, and if you backtrack, God calling Moses, Abraham out of his land to a country that he didn't know where he was going to, and led him around, wandering around. And of course, they ended up in Egypt, and they're delivered from Egypt, and now uh, on their way to Egypt, they spend 40 years wandering around, as it were, in the wilderness. And now, after all this time, after all these years of, of, of being talked about, of, of being told about the, the promise of the promised land, they're there. They're ready to go into the promised land. What they've been hearing about for all these years is about to take place. <clears throat> and God told Joshua here that all the land that their feet would touch would be theirs. No one would be able to stop them. And he promises him to be with him just like he was with Moses in verse 5. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. What did this promise mean to Joshua, do you think? God said, I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong in verse 6. Be strong in verse 7. And be strong and of good courage. Actually, both phrases in verse 9. Verse 6, 7, and 9. <clears throat> Were the stories of deliverance relayed to the children throughout the years? By this time... Not many people that had been alive at the time of the, the plagues in Egypt and being delivered uh, from Egypt were alive at this point in time. <clears throat> were the stories told? I believe they were. I believe the stories were told and they were uh, living in anticipation of this moment when they would enter the, the promised land. And yet God, and God, I find it intriguing that God told Moses that Everywhere you go, you're going to be undefeatable. All the land that your feet touch is going to be yours. And yet he tells him three times, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And he also challenges him in verse 8 to meditate on the law day and night. Observe to do all the law. Then your way will be prosperous. Then you will have good success. So we're going to look at stories throughout this book, times of where they had good success and times when there was some issues and they did not have such good success. As long as they obeyed God, he gave them good success. The surrounding nations were afraid of the children of Israel. The word of the children of Israel was traveling ahead of them. They had reached Canaan, and this area before they ever got there. We see that in chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, where Rahab is telling the spies that I know that the Lord hath given to you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us. Verse 10, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water at the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. 
what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and, Sion and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. The victories and the conquests of the children of Israel were, the stories were, were, were traveling ahead of them. And consider the fact that this was not in days when they had um, instant access to information like we do today. There was not emails. There was not WhatsApp. There wasn't any of that. So the word had traveled from mouth to mouth. And the people in Canaan were scared, according to, the, the book, according to what Rahab said. Our hearts did melt within us. And then in chapter 3 now, we have the story of the crossing of the Jordan River. And can you imagine the excitement and anticipation and wonder of this moment? Between where they were and where the promised land, however, is the Jordan River. There was no bridges that we're aware of. There was no boats that we read of. And yet the word was that they were going to cross the Jordan River. It was time for them to move into and conquer the promised land. The Jordan River was flowing high at this uh, time of year. And God just said, move forward, follow the priest, follow the ark. The plan seemed odd and it seemed vague at best. Interestingly enough, verse 4 tells us they were supposed to stay, if I have it right, if I have my calculations correct, 3,000 feet behind the Ark of the Covenant. And the reason was because you've never gone this way, and so you need to follow the Ark, and that way you'll know the way. And I, that's what it says. I just found that kind of interesting. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said... the. Sanctify yourselves, in verse 5, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. <laughs> Put yourself in that. Elvin was trying to do that this morning in a devotional. I appreciated that. You know, So many times we read these Bible stories and we just, I do anyway, I kind of put them in a box that those were people back then. I'm not sure if they were some kind of special characters that, you know, were made for that or whatever. But yet they were really people just like you and I. Tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders. In verse 10, Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you unto this Jordan. That's how they're going to know. They said, if you follow the ark of the covenant and you see what God is going to happen, do in the next several days, you'll know that the living God is with you. As I already mentioned, in verse 15, we can see specifically, it talks about the Jordan was, was overflowing its banks at the time of harvest. And the priest had the commandment to carry that Ark of the Covenant and to step into that water. I'm not aware that God had told them that he'll part the waters. He just said, go and step into the water. 
take that step of faith. <clears throat> God honored his word and their obedience because as the priest st- stepped into that water, the water stopped and backed up. And it even talks about how far back it backed up. And it's amazing when you think about that. At home, we have this little bitty stream. And for a long time, we lived there uh, from the house. We could see that there was a stream down there. There's a couple corners you could tell there was actually water there. But for the most part, it was overgrown, and you couldn't see there was a stream there until you went down to the stream. The last year and a half, there's been a family of beavers building a dam. And, and they're building that dam, and it's getting bigger and bigger. And now you look down there, and there's water everywhere. And it seems like it won't be long until there's a lake. And can you picture the Jordan River? I don't know how big it was or is. At the, at the time of harvest, its water is flowing high, and it stops, and the water all backed out. I don't know what that looked like or was like. And that, but that's not the point. God had commanded them to step into the water, and they stepped into the water. The water stopped. The priest stood in the middle of the river on dry land, it says, and all the people filed through. Do you think it took courage for the priest to step into that water? Do you think it took courage for the people to march through the water? This wall of water here and marching through and poke it, see what happens. I don't know. I'm guessing they probably were focused on getting through. I believe it took courage. I believe it took faith on their parts to carry to to obey God and to walk through the river. We see more stories of conquest in chapter 5 and verse 1. And the king of the Amorites. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites which were on the side of Jordan westward and all the kings of the Canaanites which were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over that their heart melted. Neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. It was noteworthy. It was, it was breaking news, if you please, this, that this group of people had walked through the Jordan River. <clears throat> and, of, and then in chapter 6, we have the amazing story of the conquest of Jordan, of Jericho. And think about this battle plan, the oddest of odd battle plans. Walk around the city once a day for six days. And they were given clear instructions. The priests were blowing the trumpets, but everybody else was marching along in stoic silence. Can you imagine the people inside Jericho? Now, we do know that their hearts were melted, so they were scared, but it would seem to me that it would look like quite a foolish operation to them. Then, very early on the seventh day, march around the city seven times, and on the seventh time at the command of of Joshua, they were to, to let out a loud cry, and the walls came down, just came down, and the people invaded the, the land of Jericho. In chapter 10, we have some more miraculous stories of battles they won. And in that particular battle, when the, when the enemy was fleeing, God sent great hailstones. And the Bible tells us that more in chapter 10, verse 11, more people died from the hailstones than from the battle. <clears throat> 
chapter 10, 13, and 14 is the account where the sun and the moon stood still at, at, at um, Joshua's command. <clears throat> and in chapters 10 through 11, Joshua goes from one battle to another, utterly destroying the enemies that came in their way. And verse 11:23 says, So Joshua took the whole land. They had all these things going for him, the promise of the presence of God, the promise of victory, the evidence of the promises as they moved through, and they did actually win the victories, and memorials, and I'll talk more about the memorials in a little bit. Memorials to remind them of the mighty hand of God in their lives, and yet throughout this story is woven stories and times of disobedience and defeat. We have Achan's sin. Keeping spoil for himself, where they were clearly commanded not to do, Achan disobeyed. And because of sin in the camp, because of this one man's sin, they lost the battle to Ai, which should have been an easy win for them, but they lost it. And you would think that one person, one person out of how many thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that invaded into Jericho, one person took some stuff he wasn't supposed to take and kept it, and everybody had to suffer because of it. <clears throat> you think, what's the odds? What's it matter? Why did God not just skip over that but that's not how God works chapter 13 is the story of the Geshurites and Maacathites they didn't cast them all out and then in verse in 1 Samuel 27 verse 8 David and his men cast them out so there was not all the people were cast out not all the people were driven out like God had asked them to do chapter 15 and verse 63 mentions the Jebusites specifically named by Moses on the other side of Jordan. Their king had organized an alliance against Joshua in verse chapter 10. And the Jebusites were not all completely taken out. They stayed until David defeated them in 2 Samuel 5. There was the Canaanites of Gezer mentioned in chapter 16 verse 10. They served as tributaries or they they paid taxes to the people, but they were not driven out. In chapter 17, 12, and 13, the children of Manasseh could not drive out all the Canaanites in their cities, and some of the people became their slaves. Numbers 33, God had commanded them to drive out all the inhabitants. And in verse 55, he said that if you do not do that, they will become pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides. And we see that uh, lived out throughout the the history of the children of Israel. Now let's take a moment to look at the memorials in this book, the book of Joshua. Memorials are something set up to remember an instance that happened in the past. Chapter 4, they were supposed to take up 12 stones from the riverbed. They were and made a memorial outside of, on the other side of the Jordan. I'm just going to change that. Verse 2, chapter 4, take you 12 men out of all the people, out of every tribe of man. Verse 4, then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe of man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up every man of you 
a stone upon the shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of, of Israel. Verse 6, note, note this especially. That this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them. That the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan. The waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Indicating that there was a possibility that over a period of time, the story would be lost, maybe forgotten. And so to avoid that, they, they set up this memorial so that the children, when they see it, for generations to come, would say, what is this all about? And it gave them opportunity to ask, to hear the story. And I think for that's one of the reasons why I think it's good that we keep our children in, in the service during our communion service. Um, difficult sometimes, I'm sure. I know, I remember those days. Stressful to keep the children well-behaved for a longer period of time. And yet, it gives them an opportunity to observe. And I love to see the, the questions and the wander in the children's eyes um, when you come around for the emblems. And that's what these memorials were for. Verses 9 through 12 talk about the stones that they set up in the middle of the Jordan. And the Bible says they are there to this day when this was written. Chapter 7, 26, after Achan's sin was revealed and Achan was destroyed, Achan, the things he stole and all his possessions were stoned and burned. And this memorial is there to this day, the Bible says. There for the children to ask, what is this pile of stones all about? And to hear the story of Achan and his, defeat, his disobedience. Chapter 8, 28 through 29, two memorials. Uh, Another memorial is the ruins of Ai, very closely connected to the story of Achan. But there was a heap of stones over the body of the king of Ai. Interestingly enough, God had used Ai to reveal Achan's sin and to punish Israel. And now he punishes Ai. He destroyed Ai and all of the cities that were conquered. This is the only one that seems to have been left in ruins. <clears throat> The purpose, again, for these memorials is so that the children would ask questions and so that all the people of the earth would know, verse 24 in chapter 4, so that all the people of the earth would know. Memorials are reminders of significant events. And, you know, in all reality, as human beings, are we not that way today yet? That God does a lot of things for us. There's moments throughout our lives that we experience the presence of God in some way or another, or there's some kind of miraculous answer to prayer or an evident answer to prayer. And, and unfortunately, over a period of time, we tend to forget, don't we? And it's good for us to have something to remind us of those times. <clears throat> now let's take some time to look at what are the spiritual lessons that we can learn from the story of Joshua. <clears throat> We can all experience victory in our lives, but there's requirements for victory. And the requirements for victory are to observe, to do all the law, to meditate on it, as God told Joshua, meditate on it. You know, if we don't read it, if we don't meditate on it, if we won't know it. And if we don't know it, we can't observe it. We can't obey it. Never compromise it. 
Obey it even when it doesn't make sense. Think about the crossing of the Jordan River, and there was many other, there was other instances throughout the history of the children of Israel where what God had asked his people to do did not make any sense. But we're called to obey even when it doesn't make sense. <clears throat> when we think of observing all the law, it's easy for us to define it through the cultural norms and accepted practices of the day, and that's a challenge that we find ourselves in all the time. The Christian's goal is to adapt culture so that the Bible, to the Bible and not vice versa. Are we willing to take a good hard look at the word of God and take note of the things that we could be overlooking? Requirements for victory. Observe to do all the law. Take that first step. The priest stepped into the swirling, rushing waters of Jordan. But they needed to take that step for God to get them through. The people needed to follow in faith and confidence. <clears throat> We're called to face the battles. We see that in the story of Joshua. Face the battles even when they look insurmountable, even when they look impossible. We're called to be strong and courageous. I find it interesting, again, as I've mentioned before in chapter 1, three times God, in his conversation with, with Joshua there, just before Joshua um, formally took the position of leadership and led the children of Israel through, three times he told, them to, told Joshua to be strong and courageous. In the middle of promising that all the land would be theirs, that they would be unconquerable. No one would be able to stop them. Every place they walked on would be theirs. And that he would never fail them or forsake them. Yet he told him to be strong and courageous. To take the step of faith, I believe, takes courage. It takes energy. It doesn't take away You would think that with all the promises that God gave to Joshua here and all the stories leading up to this moment, all the stories in the history of the children of Israel, that there should have been no fear, right? And yet the reality of it is there is fear when we face difficult situations or when there's things in front of us that seem insurmountable even though we know that God will see us through, even though we know that God is able to conquer everything, yet it takes courage and it takes energy on our part. <clears throat> it's important for us to get rid of sin, all sin and everything, anything that saps us of spiritual energy. Think of Achan, one person in this whole group of people who was disobedient. And the result the resulting defeat that the, church, that the nation experienced. It's important for us to take a look at our lives and get rid of sin and anything that saps us of spiritual energy. <clears throat> we need to trust the promises of the Scripture. They're throughout Scripture. But trusting the promises takes a step of faith and courage. I'd like to spend the rest of the time of the message looking at some promises that God has given us in his word, promises in the New Testament. It's full of them. 
1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin, promises of scripture that are for us today. Ephesians chapter 2. Four through ten, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together, brought us to life, with Christ by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Promises of scripture, promises there for us today. And yet it takes a step of faith, it takes a step of courage for us to really believe and meditate on these promises and realize they're for me, they're for us, they're for all of us who have chosen to follow Christ. He has made us alive. He's raised us up to heavenly places. Life doesn't always feel that way, does it? He saved us by grace through faith. That step of faith. We are his workmanship. 1 Peter 1. The passage that Marcus read in the opening. Grace and peace multiplied through the knowledge of Christ Jesus through the knowledge of God and Jesus. We are given all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. We have to know him. We have to know his word. Joshua was commanded to meditate therein day and night so that he would know. We are called to glory and virtue. We see in that portion of scripture in 1 Peter 1. We are given exceeding great and precious promises going to turn to it verse 4 talks about to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you you know this is kind of like the new testament version of what god was telling joshua isn't it he's promised us our promised land to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away Verses 6 through 7 is it could be a picture of the Christian's journey through the wilderness, like the children of Israel wandered through the wilderness. Difficult times that we face in our lives. But it's going to be for a time. It came to an end for the children of Israel. It'll come to an end for us as well. Whatever it is that you may be facing. The last verse in 1 Peter 1, verse 25, says, But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this, actually, I need to read verse 24 with it. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. The time that we're in is for a time. The time that the children of Israel were in 
walking, journeying through the wilderness was for a time. They did get into the promised land, and you and I will get into the promised land too. And in the meantime, God is with us. He will never leave us, never fail us. Today, February 25th, 2024, we serve the same God that Joshua served many, many years ago. He's a promise-keeping God. He's a blessing-giving God. He's an obedience-expecting God. And as we serve him, follow him, and obey him, he will lead us straight into the promised land. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them. There shall not be a man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. The book of the law, this book of the law, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Let's kneel for prayer. Thank <laughs> you.